0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Financial Literacy for All podcast. I hope all of you are doing well and are ready to take another step towards slowly becoming more financially literate. In episode two, we talked about asset classes, what they are, what the different types are, and which ones are risky and which ones are safe. So if you want to learn more about asset classes, make sure to check out our last episode. So today, Continuing our asset class talk, we will be discussing stocks. This episode will cover everything you need to know in order to have a well-rounded understanding of what a stock is and how they work. So, what is a stock? How is the price of a stock defined? Why should I even buy stocks? How do I analyze a stock? While these might sound like superficial questions, there's so much to dive deep into. So make sure to stick until the end of this episode to learn more. All right, so let's get right into it. What is a stock? A stock, also known as equity, is a form of investment representing ownership of a fraction of a public company, such as Apple, Facebook, Coca-Cola, or any other company listed in the stock market. So if you purchase an Apple stock which at the time of this recording is worth about $142, you are one of Apple's owners. Additionally, stocks are securities which are listed, bought, and sold in stock exchanges. So, a stock exchange can be considered a marketplace for these tiny or huge, depending on the buyer, fractions of ownership in a company. In the United States, the major stock exchanges are the New York Stock Exchange, which includes companies such as Walmart, Pfizer, Bank of America, and others. And there's also the NASDAQ, which includes the big tech companies such as Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and others. Essentially, if you purchase even one stock, you are officially an owner of a company. So there are two different types of stocks. There's the common stock and there's the preferred stock. A common stock entitles the owner of such stock to vote at shareholders' meetings and to receive any dividends paid out by the corporation. Very quickly, a dividend is the money a business pays to its shareholders after paying out its expenses. So, if any money is left as profit at the end of each quarter, a business can either reinvest the money back into itself, or pay dividend to shareholders, or do a mix of both. Therefore, a common stock usually gives voting rights and also allows the owner to receive these dividends we just talked about. On the other hand, a preferred stock generally does not grant the owner voting rights during shareholder meetings. Instead, those who purchase preferred stocks usually have priority on the business's assets. Receiving dividends before those with common stocks, and also having priority on receiving money if the business ends up going bankrupt. Alright, until this point, we have gone over what a stock is, where it is sold, and what the different types of stock are. Now, let's go over the sort of timeline a stock follows, from being issued by the company, to being bought, until it is being traded in the public markets. First of all, a company first decides to issue stocks and sell it in the stock market if they wish to raise money through an initial through an initial public offering, also known as an IPO to the public. If, for example, Business X wants to start a very large internal project and they need financing to do so, they may choose to undergo an IPO, which essentially means selling stocks to the public. If for example, business X wants to start a very large internal project and they need financing to do so, they may choose to undergo an IPO, which essentially means selling stocks, which is ownership to this business X. The price of an IPO usually involves several complex valuation methods, which we will not be going over during this episode. However, what is really important to understand is that the price a company sells for at the IPO Is based on a variety of measures, including its profits, the number of customers, expected future revenue, and several other factors. After the IPO is complete, all the shares are now owned by the general public, either by individual investors or very large institutions. And this is when the trading and sometimes volatile prices begin. Now that the public has bought the stocks from the IPO, and officially own these stocks, anyone can sell or buy them at any time. All that is necessary is a seller wishing to sell and a buyer wishing to buy. And with that, the transaction can be completed through stockbrokers. At this point, I will quote Investopedia, as I believe they phrased in a simple yet very explanatory manner, the way the pricing of a stock works. So begin the quote. Generally speaking, the stock market is driven by supply and demand, much like any market. When the stock is sold, a buyer and seller exchange money for share ownership. The price for which the stock is purchased becomes the new market price. When the second share is sold, this price becomes the newest market price, etc. The more demand for a stock, the higher it drives the price and vice versa. So, while in theory, a stock's initial public offering, IPO, is at a price equal to the value of its expected future dividend payments, the stock's price fluctuates based on the supply and demand. Many market forces contribute to supply and demand, and thus to a company's stock price. End quote. These market forces stated by Investopedia are, indeed, very extensive. Some of these forces could include a change in economic outlook, either positive or negative, that could influence the buying or selling of certain stocks, a change in the business's financial situation, a change in government regulation, and many other factors can contribute to the change in supply and demand of specific companies in the stock market. Alright, so this was plenty of information, so let's have a brief summary. A stock is a form of investment which can be bought in stock exchanges and they represent ownership of a company. There are two different types of stock. So there's the common stock, which gives owners the right to vote during shareholder meetings and to receive dividends. There's also the preferred stock, which does not give owners the right to vote, but gives them preference on the company's assets. A business can choose to sell shares of its company through an IPO which mainly occurs as a source of financing for the business. After the shares have been bought by the general public, this is when the buying and selling, which is also known as trading, begins. The supply and demand for a stock drives the price of the stock up or down. If more people are bidding to purchase a certain stock, the price will inevitably go up. The same is true for the opposite. Okay, so now I hope you have a brief but better understanding of what a stock is and how its price is determined by market forces. Now, let's explain one of the most important parts of this episode. Why should you even want to invest in the stock of companies listed in the stock market, such as, but not limited to, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and thousands of other options? Well, stocks are a great way to potentially make profits, either through an increase in the price of the stock, or through receiving dividends. However, knowing which stocks will increase in price and when exactly that will happen is extremely tricky. Even if a company has incredible profits and a groundbreaking product, product, its stock might still lose value in the short term. Therefore, you must always do your own research to determine whether or not a stock, a company seems like a good investment for you. Doing this research involves many steps and it is never a guarantee that the stock you pick will increase in price. This seems scary, right? Doing all the research, investing your money, and then still risk losing it? Well, it is in fact very risky. Investing your money into stocks could either result in profits or losses. Doing your research and focusing on making money in the long term, so essentially buying stocks and holding them for a long time, will always be your friends when investing. One great way to decrease the risk involved in stocks is to invest in an ETF. What is an ETF? Well, an ETF is essentially a basket of stocks conglomerated into only one. So, for example, if you purchase the ETF of the S&P 500, which are the 500 most valuable companies in the United States stock market, you are buying the stock of all of these companies for the price of the ETF. So, you can purchase an S&P 500 ETF, known as SPY, for $366 and have ownership of the 500 most valuable companies in the country. This is a great way to mitigate the risk associated with investing in stocks, since the price of your $366 investment will depend on the price changes of 500 different companies. So. If one company's stock drops 10%, you still have 499 other companies that will impact the price of the ETF you purchased. Well, ETFs are a great way to invest into stocks without having to incur the full risks that stocks involve. Millions of investors around the US and the world choose to stick to ETFs that track broad indexes and markets such as the S&P 500 we just talked about, or even a tracker for all companies in the whole stock market. This is because it is much harder to predict which individual stocks will go up or down during certain periods of time. However, one thing is almost certain. In the long run, the stock market as a whole will most likely go up in price. So let's take into account the last 50 years, which the S&P 500 has seen an average growth of 10% per year. So if you invested $1,000 into the S&P 500 50 years ago and let it ride until today with this 10% each year, today you would have over $117,000. This is obviously a very superficial approach to the theme but it gives you a really good idea of the power of compound interest. The earlier you start investing, the better it will be for you and your family in the future. Also, this average 10% return is, first of all, only in relation to the S&P 500. If you decide to pick individual stocks to purchase, there's no guarantee that these results will occur. Also, there's no guarantee that these results will occur with the S&P 500, because it is never possible to know exactly what will happen with the economy right now or in the future. So none of this is financial advice. You could end up losing a lot, averaging 10% as well, or even doing much better than this 10%. It is really hard to know. Another thing to note is that this average 10% return is not accounted for inflation, which shows even more the importance of investing your money, wherever and in whatever ways that should be. If you want to learn a bit more about inflation, make sure to check out the podcast's first episode. So, if you have to keep one message from this entire episode, let this be it. Please invest your money as soon as possible. This could either be through stocks, ETFs, or any other asset classes we talked about in the last episode, which we'll dive deep into every single one of those in future episodes. Investing your money is crucial, and stocks can be one great way to do so. Always doing your own research and being aware of the risks involved is crucial as well. So, talking about doing your own research, let's transition to the last topic of today's episode. How to briefly analyze stocks. How do I even research stocks to decide which ones I want to buy? Well, the answer is simple. It is an extremely complex process that involves numerous steps. Since everyone has a different approach to researching and analyzing stocks, and approaches taken by them may take weeks or even months to be finalized, this episode is only going to cover the following things. The stocks industry, the business's financial returns, and also its P.E. ratio. One very common way of deciding whether or not to buy a stock is through technical analysis, which is basically the fancy name for analyzing a stock's graph. This is something beyond the podcast and also something that's very controversial since many people believe that analyzing graphs is, not the, raw, is the wrong approach to investing. Well, either way, let's jump right into it. When looking for stocks you wish to invest, one of the first things to consider is its industry. Is the stock in the technological industry or is it in the energy, communications, real estate, financial, healthcare, or any of the other industries out there? Picking an in industry is very important as it allows you to focus more on industries you have some knowledge in when starting out. When starting to invest, Don't just jump into the process and start buying complex stocks in the energy or services industry, which you might not know anything about. If you understand more about, for example, healthcare, try to hone in on potential stocks to purchase in the healthcare industry. Also, picking an industry allows you to dedicate your time towards researching only one industry in a very deep way instead of researching many. However... How is the selected industry performing this year? What are the growth forecasts? Will this continue to be a prominent industry in the future? Are there any potential government regulations I should be worried about? All of these questions and even more should be answered when you're researching an industry for your stock. Another thing to consider is the company's financial results. When deciding which stock to invest in, it is really important to look at a company's financial statements. This is information that can be easily found through the business's website, the official SEC website, or even websites like Yahoo Finance. Either way, analyzing these numbers is crucial. How profitable is the business? Are they experiencing a profit growth trend over the past few years? Are costs increasing? Is the debt too big? If the business entered a really bad situation, wouldn't have money to pay off its debts, how much free cash flow does the business have for daily operations? Once again, all of these questions, and even more, are crucial to answer before buying any stock. Diving deep into a business's financials is hard and time-consuming, however, it is very important. Any red flags in the financial statement could be an indicator that potentially saves you a lot of money. Lastly, I will talk about what is most likely the most common indicator for stocks used by investors, which is the P.E. ratio. The P.E. ratio is an indicator which divides the company's stock price by its earning per share. The P/E ratio is used by many as an indicator of whether or not a stock is cheap in relation to other stocks in its industry and also the market as a whole. Usually, the smaller the P/E ratio, the cheaper the stock is. Essentially, the number represented by the P/E ratio is how long it would take for you to pay off your investment. So, for example, if Company X has a P/E ratio of seven, while Company Y in the same industry has a P ratio of 44, company X is most likely a cheaper option. Remember, just because a stock's price is lower does not mean the stock is cheaper. That is not how it works. And that is why indicators such as the P ratio exist to help investors identify potentially cheap stocks. Another very important thing to note is that a P ratio has to be applied for businesses in the same industry. Although it can be cross-referenced between industries. Industries such as, for example, the technological industry right now is much more expensive than uh let's say the energy uh, industry. So it's very important when comparing P ratios to compare stocks of the same industry. Well the P ratio is a great investment tool that can be helped uh, that can help you reach a sound decision it should most definitely not be the only tool you use. I emphasize, not be the only tool you use. Even though we only covered three things to analyze in the stock, there are tens of other aspects that should be considered and analyzed in order to better your chances of having profits when investing. So this is all for today's episode. In the next episode, we will go more in depth just like today but about bonds, such as understanding what they are and how they work. Trust me, bonds are kind of complicated, but extremely important to understand. If you have listened until now, thank you so much, and I genuinely hope you have learned a bit more about how stocks work and why it is so important to invest and do your own research. Let's keep working together towards a more financially illiterate world, Thank you so much and I hope to see you soon.